we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. You may remember the name, the uh, the Eco Health Alliance. There, uh, uh, Peter Daszak, you remember uh, the uh, president there, and they were at the center of the storm. Uh, very interesting developments uh, with uh, the fact that they have received uh, NIH uh, was a grant that was renewed, if you will, for a collaborative efforts. What could go possibly wrong there? Uh, to understand the risk of uh, bat coronavirus. Uh, the spillover emergence. Some very interesting things in this piece that I've read here. Dr. McCullough, what do you make of this? You know, it it's almost mind-blowing <laughs> that we have a situation where SARS-CoV-2, a virus, you know, all agencies agree it comes out of the Wuhan lab. It's finally been capitulation on this. Peter Daszak has a grant that was in the queue to do more research on bat coronaviruses. You know, it's studying these bats in, in China. It's it's basically put on hold because of the COVID pandemic. Now that things are winding down, he gets the green light to do more research. Mm, mm. And people are like, wait a minute, haven't we had enough of this? Mm. Uh, but I, I read the EcoHealth Alliance press release, and, and honestly, Malcolm, I think it's a little deeper than this. Mm. Dasik is one of the architects of actually tr still trying to deceive the world on what's going on in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Explain that. He is a running an eco health alliance which is basically a nih contractor that's shuttling money as well as blueprints for these chimeric viruses to these biosecurity labs and he's interfacing with a whole number of people in what we call the biopharmaceutical complex in my book courage to face COVID 19. Right. that means he's interfacing with jeremy farrar how do we know that because he's on uh teleconference calls with him and fauci and uh, francis collins as revealed in the uh the coronavirus select uh committee by run by the house by um representative comer and uh, we know that Dasik is on some of the papers, the published papers that were intentionally written to deceive the world on where SARS-CoV-2 comes from. And in fact, Dasik has even tweeted uh, recently that, you know, academic papers show that the uh, that SARS-CoV-2 came from nature. Well, you know, every single agency now has signed off on it and said, yes, it came out of the lab and we have culpability. The U.S., Congress voted 419 to zero to declassify all the documents we have on the on the Wuhan lab mm -hmm. uh, on the genesis of SARS-CoV-2. So what he he they put in the EcoHealth Alliance release is that they're excited to uh, uh, pursue uh, more research in this area and. Um, what uh, and I'm sure I'm sure Dasik wrote it. EcoHealth Alliance is not a huge organization. Uh, it says here, you know, EcoHealth Alliance receives NIH renewal grant for collaborative research to understand the mm -hmm. risk of bat coronavirus spillover emergence. And then it says zoonotic infections represent a significant threat to 
health. They list SARS, MERS, SARS-CoV-2, and that bats, and this is the extraordinary claim here that um, uh, th there's such a diversity in nature, some of which can use the human ACE2 cell for entry. No, they can't. That was the gain-of-function research that Ralph Barrick did in the prior grant that uh, DASIC shuttled over to the Chinese in order to emerge in human populations. So um, Barrick's paper said the uh, SARS-CoV-2 chimeric virus, it's poised for emer emergence since he created it. And then he goes down and he says, listen, uh, uh, you, you know, our surveillance studies, this is Dasik speaking, our surveillance studies found serologic evidence of, of prior bat SARS-CoV-2 infections in people in rural China before the outbreak. We yeah. used this data and other published studies to estimate that more than 66,000 people are infected with bat SARS-CoV-2 viruses per year, significant potential for future public health impacts. So he's still going back to this is science for science sake, and my read on this is this is a sense he's taking this grant uh, and, and, you know, he's got, he's got it reactivated. It's going to help further this cover up. It may even for help further gain of function research. Well, as I said earlier, uh, Dasek has been at the center of the storm. Uh, the question is, is Fauci involved in this one or not? That would tell you that'd be a telltale sign, wouldn't it? Um, well, let me just uh, tell folks here, you're listening to America Out Loud Pulse. Uh, and uh, it started off a little differently today with this one. I, I just thought uh, it is Malcolm Out Loud here, along with Dr. Peter McCullough. And uh, by the way, this is Q&A 68. Got some really interesting questions and angles on this. But starting off with this uh a very interesting uh, story um, with the uh, with the Eco Health Alliance here, uh, Peter Dazak, um, and uh, you know this um, with him. For the first thing I see is a couple of things here, Peter. Talked to you about here on this, and I've read through the the, the full document here. Um, they say here uh, our surveillance studies found uh, serological evidence of prior bat SARS-CoV infections in people in rural China be before the COVID-19 outbreak. We use these data and other published studies to estimate that more than 66,000 people are infected by bat SARS-CoV every year with significant potential for future public health impacts. Now, and, and I've read this kind of thing before where it, it sort of was there, but never the outbreak that became what it is. What, let's talk, I think that's fascinating with what they say there and what developed. What What do you think was the, the spark, the cause that made this so lethal that it became, as fact that they say here, There's this has been pretty routine, actually, these bat coronaviruses, and they are. What made this so so lethal, you think? No, first off, I would challenge his conclusion that humans got it from bats. So okay. humans get coronavirus infections. You and I have had coronavirus infections before, and there are antibodies raised to different parts of the virus. And there's a similar overlap between those antibodies raised to the human coronaviruses and the bat coronaviruses. And I seriously doubt that the immunology is sufficiently refined that they could identify in humans antibodies against human coronaviruses versus antibodies against bat coronaviruses and, and, and claim there's a difference because there's not. There's It's a very, very subtle difference. What made the difference between a bat virus and a human virus is what Ralph Barrick did is engineer 
the furin cleavage joint so it can invade the human ACE2 receptor. So I think there's just seeing, they're saying, listen, antibodies are generally found in some people been exposed to coronaviruses. The bats harbor coronaviruses. Therefore, we want to get back to work in this area of what probably is biological threat development. That's what this is. It says it has public health consequences. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, so, um, uh, you know, and then, then it just keeps going. You can basically see what the what the um, you know what the aims are here. You know what the outcome will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, right there. So this this yeah. work will provide critical reagents. Reagents that means chemicals are using to modify the the virus. Identify targets for therapeutic interventions uh-huh. and vaccine development and viral genome sequences for future SARS-CoV-2 pandemic yeah. and public. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. And, and and I thought, as soon as I read that, I thought, well, Big Pharma is lining up right now to get in line for that one for the future because these people got so wealthy uh, from this this whole thing. This was, this was a money machine is what's happened over the last few years. And the only one that really made the big money here is is these is big pharma is is big corporations big box uh all of that but uh, you know middle america uh small business they took the hit they they took the big hit here but it's you know you remember during the heat of the lockdowns and the pandemic peter they they left um you know all the mom and pops had to close all the lockdowns all the people who were working hard had to close yet they kept the big box open which really didn't make any sense because, I mean, a virus doesn't know the difference between the size of the building or the size of their wallet or checking account, right? Is that not true? You know, that's so true. Um, I wanted to point out, let me give you an example of wealth building. And huh. I mentioned this biopharmaceutical complex, the syndicate of, uh, of, of international organizations and foundations and big pharma. Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation invested $55 million in BioNTech at the right time. BioNTech was a German <laughs> partner with... Uh, at the right time. Uh, I love that. But listen to this. That $55 million, you know what he got out of that? He got out a billion, $1 billion. So $55 million wow. in $1 billion out. And that's just an example. That's just one of the publicly recorded transactions. Malcolm, do you know how much you talked about wealth building? This <laughs> biopharmaceutical complex got even stronger. This guy, Peter Daszak, he doesn't need an NIH grant. This is the interesting thing. The Chinese don't need the money. I read the budget in the grant. You know, some of the line items of the budget is 400000 500000 They don't need money. What this grant is doing is it's shuttling over important intellectual property and American ingenuity to the Chinese. That's what this grant is doing. Mm, yeah. You know, I see another point here. They say uh, salient questions remain on, on the origin, uh, diversity, capacity to cause illness and risk of spillover of these viruses to people. To address these questions, the EcoHealth Alliance recently received a renewal grant, blah, blah, blah. This grant reflects a reversal of the previous termination and suspension of an ROI uh, an R01 uh, awarded in 2019, but halted in April 2020 due to the concerns, which is what we were chatting about. But it really comes back to that Wuhan Institute of Virology. And when I talked about the spark, it was the fact that this had human intervention that that lit this thing up to do damage around the world. That's what's so sick about this, Dr. McCullough. That's, that's what's so egregious about it. 
which really makes the Wuhan Institute of Virology famous. I mean, it's it's absolutely famous for what happened there, what transpired, and what wreaked havoc around the globe. I mean, look at we just went through a piece of history, didn't we? We did, and it just seems like this is going to recur. Can you imagine if there's just a... Well, that's what I'm wondering. Does this happen in yours in my lifetime, do you think? I'm just thinking of that as you're talking earlier here. Do you think this happens in our lifetime by chance, or do you think this is like 50 years from now or something? If they're working with bat coronaviruses, it happens in our lifetime. You know, I don't think there's that many bugs that are that contagious that could infect the entire world. I mean, people have talked about Marburg. There's little outbreaks, you know, for decades. And, you know, a few people here, a few people there. Same thing with smallpox, monkeypox, mm-hmm. with, um, with uh, you know, Ebola. Uh, you know, to have something that's so contagious, the entire world gets it. The only thing that could do it would be another one of Peter Daszak's versions of a coronavirus. So, I mean, even Omicron can reinfect somebody who's previously immune. Mm-hmm. That means if he cooks up another um, another chimeric virus, mm-hmm. that, in fact, there we go again. Yeah. Now, I, I, I just wonder. I think, I think that's the reason why they're going back to the same well. You could ask, why would they do it again? Right. If the interest was biological threat development, with the, with the success of SARS-CoV-2 being a biological threat, Mm-hmm. Maybe they're right back at it saying, listen, let's try to get a three, three or four more versions of this so we can hold it as a biological threat yeah. and then try to develop monoclonal antibodies, vaccines and therapeutics to have the defensive assets. Maybe mm-hmm. this is just a, basically asset development, offense and defense. You just wonder what this is really all about. I mean, you really, really wonder that um, when you when you see the the onset of evil here and everything we talk about, you, you just wonder, what what is the outcome? What are they really looking to do? I mean, there's so much of this. It's everywhere. And as you just said, they go back to the well for more. And I do wonder if there'll be any more of this level of outbreaks in our lifetime. Just got to remember, it was what? It was over 100 years since what transpired back in uh, the early 19th century. Uh, it was over 100 years the human race had not really experience this sort of uh, uh, impact from one of these viruses. And so none of these generations that were alive had any knowledge or experience of what transpired back then. And here we are living through this, and it was surreal. But I think it wasn't just that it was surreal and it was evil and it was all of that. But you know what it is, uh, Peter? It really was how our officials reacted to it. That's really the crux of this. How our, how officials reacted to it, how Big Pharma lined up, but it's how our trusted, supposedly trusted government officials and heads of state and government agencies and how they reacted to this. That's, to me, the story coming out of this. I mean, I think, I'll tell you one, I think they sold humanity out a hundred times over. Oh, for sure they did. And, you know, if you if this was just research for the sake of advancing knowledge and Ralph Barrick created this chimeric virus, which he published, he did in 2015. And the work was done in in one institute of virology. And Peter Daszak was the go-between between Ralph Barrick and China. And it was just all for science sake. 
and it was just a mistake that it got out of the lab, exactly. they would just, everybody would happily shut this down and say, listen, this was a mistake. We don't want this to happen again. Uh, you know, we're doing the best to try to help humanity mm. get through this. Mm. But if it was intentional it's a great and point. they were intentionally trying to develop it, yeah. you know what, Malcolm, they would go back to the well yeah. because yeah. they intend to do more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's what I, I can't, I, I have such a hard time. And I, I always have a hard time wrapping my my, my arms around such evil. I, I just can't do it. And yet it's there. And it's not that I'm naive. It's just, I mean, we're speaking about life and death here. We're speaking about, you know, humanity. We're speaking about people. I mean, it, it's it's remarkable what's transpired here. And so I do wonder that a lot. Back to your point, if it's um, evil intent or if it's coincidence and an accident, and you're so right when you say, well, listen, if somebody would admit something, please, or just at least level with us on some level, we could at least maybe accept the fact that somebody screwed up. But when you keep doubling and tripling down on things, which is what they seem to do, it just leaves you with, with, a, with, a, with a gaping hole of what's really going on, Peter, and humanity and what they're really after. I mean, is it this whole, you know, I never really believed in the depopulation thing. You asked me that a few years ago, I would have said, well, what the hell are you talking about? People would say that all the time in these circles. And I was like, what are you talking about? Depopulation? Like, what is the, what are you talking about? I never really got that. Did you understand that a few years back? Did you believe, because I didn't believe in it. I'm just telling you. Did you? I was completely blindsided, Malcolm. I was too. I, you know, listen, if so many people saw this ahead of time, we would have seen op-eds. We would have had discussions. There were, Nobody saw this ahead of time. I really don't think so, outside of maybe some insiders who were who tracking this. But the mm. majority of people I know in clinical practice, we, we were completely blindsided by this. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody was. I mean, I just remember back to the moment it all happened. It was off the charts. And I don't lose sight of that. And I often think back of that, um, of, of everything that, I mean, so many people just, they lost so much in the game here of what transpired. And uh, I see what I went through personally. I was just thinking of that here earlier today, Peter, in fact, with my wife. I, I really did. I just came to my mind, all of this, what transpired over the last few years I don't know if we think of this stuff because we're getting older and we think about life in a different scale. I find myself thinking about life differently today than I would have maybe, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago. Do you do you find yourself doing the same thing? Yeah, it's true. It makes you really yeah. kind of do a 360 of your life and where you are and what matters and what doesn't. Yeah. Um, you know, almost everybody, and there are now published uh, statistics. The Rasmussen report is a good source to cite. Yeah, it is. One in ten, one in ten Americans hmm. know somebody or knows of somebody who died with COVID nineteen, hmm. and one in four know somebody who's died of the vaccine. 100%. So both the respiratory illness and, of course, the mortality rate was far lower with the with the virus because everybody got it. Fortunately, with the vaccine, not everybody got it. So, um, you know, so in people's circles, there are some people, believe it or not, Malcolm, in their circle. There's very few unvaccinated people. And then very, there's very few, circles. you're saying very few. Yeah. What, 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 we said that's what, about 20, 25 percent, something like that. Right. Twenty five percent unvaccinated. But okay. remember, people are not equally distributed. They tend to be in clusters. So uh, is, is, so there'll be heavily vaccinated clusters. 
And then there'll be heavily unvaccinated clusters of, mm. of various people. And mm. the interesting thing is most people who are unvaccinated are unvaccinated for a reason. I mean, they took a stand. They, they lost their That's job. It. That's it. Something happened to them. That's so you know, we find the unvaccinated to be kind of mm. far more active, uh, much more stronger personalities out there. They they took a stand. And I think they're likely to be voters. And I think you're speaking about the unvaccinated, the unvaccinated. Yeah, right, they took right. a stand not to take the vaccine. And right, right. I think they're, they're I think they're going to help shape the, the future course of America. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, no, listen, you're, you're right on it. And I'll tell you why I agree with you is because, you know, I'm just thinking back when you when you said the 25 percent, we're talking about the 25 percent that are unvaccinated, which, of course, I am part of that 25 percent. And my wife is part of that 25%. And my two children are part of that 25%. And, and anybody I th- that could be in within the reach of my voice and listen to me would also be in that 25%. Uh, because I knew in my gut, I felt what I felt. I knew what I knew. And I just I just knew it, it was a hands-off kind of thing. And I have to tell you, you know, when you say that, you, you made me think, Peter, and I'll, you know, I'll tell you why. Throughout my life, you know, I've discovered there are followers and leaders, followers and leaders. Now, growing up as a young man and uh, through uh, all of my corporate days and where I'm at now, I've never been a follower. I just never have been. I'm a unique. I'm a bit odd. I'm weird. I'm different. Call me whatever you want. I'm definitely I'm not the norm for sure. And I've always been that way. It did happen yesterday. I've been a better way through all my life. But I always was a leader, not a follower. So in other words, here's here's what I did, Peter, through the corporate days and through dealing with large companies and building brands, stuff like that. Now, if everybody was doing it one way, I knew it wasn't the way to do it. I'd do it the other way. And I got thinking of that just now when you were saying about the 25%, because I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm in the vast minority. But that would make sense because I never followed trends. I was always odd, weird, different, unique, call it whatever you want to call it, whatever adjective you want to use. But I never followed the track, you know? I mean, I don't know about you, but I never was. And maybe that's... Now, you just gave me some thoughts here. That's really kind of cool because... You just said maybe these people are going to be the people to shape the new world and what's happening. Now, that's kind of cool. That's a glimmer, because if that's the case, then these people who stood up against the the winds that were coming in, that's kind of neat, Peter. That tells me there's some strong people out there that said, no way, I'm not going along with that program. You're out. It's not happening. Isn't that kind of thought provoking? It's true. I mean, on my observation, they people tend to be, you know, physically and mentally fitter, stronger, uh, more clearly thinking people. Right now, there's something on the uh, Twitter floating around where I said that to on a media interview, and there's a young African American man listening to this, and he's saying, "Yes, yes." He's, you know, the people who you can tell by his gesticulations that yes, you know, the people who didn't take the vaccine made the right call. And I got to tell you, I see patients all day long yeah. and we always ask them, do you take the vaccine? I say, no, thank God I didn't. Mm. I am so mm. blessed. I mean, people are seeing the blood clots, the heart damage, Malcolm. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's extraordinary. There's a, a paper that's just come out by, um, I believe it was Bargum and colleagues from Yale. This is astonishing. At 200 days uh, into myocarditis after the vaccine in teenagers, uh, the heart is not recovering. Uh, 80% mm. is not recovered, 80%. And we are watching a highlight reel of uh, 
you know, outgoing CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, and she was saying, oh, the myocarditis is mild and it's rare and it's transient. It always goes away. It's like, no, you can't say that. Can't say it goes away when the research hasn't been done. Right. I wonder how long that goes on for where they look in the mirror and lie like hell, you know? How long does that go on for with the Walenskis of the world, I wonder, you know? I mean, when the evidence is so overwhelming, and like you and I talked about last week with Redfield, who came out and just couldn't deal with it. I mean, he just said, no, I mean, this is rubbish. I mean, he's about, he's far and few in between, yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Contagion with uh, Matt Damon in it? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. But remembering contagion is it's kind of a little dry run for what happened. Oh boy. In this case, it's a it, it is a chimeric virus. It's a I think I believe it's a, a paramyxovirus, but it's a chimeric virus. Yeah. And it causes this kind of brutal respiratory infection and encephalitis and just kills people dead in a few days. Yeah. And the movie is uh, you know, it's it, people have, have said it's poorly done, and you know, why would Matt Damon be in there? And there's a few other uh, famous uh, actors and actresses in it. But I think a, fo- a couple of important points. Th- they show the CDC in this relentless pursuit of the origins of this chimeric virus. Mm. And th- that is, I think, somewhat ironic. You know, the movie, they, they just kept, they had this belief that, wow, if we could find the origins of the virus, we could shut this thing down. Meanwhile, you know, millions of people are getting sick. Mm-hmm. So it's a ridiculous pursuit in the movie. But it's interesting that in real life, the CDC had no interest in where the virus came from. They were completely willfully blind to the, you know, the origin of SARS-CoV-2 in the Wuhan lab. The second interesting thing about contagion is contagion, uh, you know, basically no one outside of an internet blogger suggested we should treat the illness. And, and there was some type of supplement and it was controversial whether or not it worked, but they didn't portray a single doctor or a single hospital attempting to treat anybody. I thought that was interesting. And then lastly, you guessed it, it was all about developing a vaccine. Hmm. And when the vaccine was developed, yeah. it never crossed people's minds that it wouldn't work. And it never crossed people's minds that it wouldn't be safe. So contagion Mm, modeled exactly what happened with SARS-CoV-2. You know, with Walensky, the way she behaves, it never crossed her mind that the vaccine would fail or be unsafe. In fact, her her pivot was always to, well, COVID's such a bad illness, uh, therefore, you know, take the vaccine. And and she always, every, every pivot was COVID is bad, therefore you must take a vaccine, as opposed to the vaccine may not work. It may have safety problems. We have to rethink this. Uh, it, it was it, it, what happened in real life followed almost perfectly the script of contagion. Agent, yeah, yeah. Well, they were pushing an agenda. They were not allowing people to make choice. Uh, these are all very un-American uh, traits. Uh, it's not something we ever grew up with, uh, where we had to deal with this kind of thing. Uh, I just never seen it before where it was being forced. And quite frankly, it got out of hand, Peter. I'll tell you right now. And I, I told you stories. I mean, I remember on particular weekdays going out for dinner with my wife and um, and my my um, my two teenagers, and uh, you couldn't get into a restaurant without a mask. And there were nights, you know, you, you, you know how stubborn and thick-headed I am about the truth. And there were nights where we had to drive to six or seven restaurants because they wanted you to put a mask on to walk to the table, 
And I said, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to play that game. And I had reservations to some very nice places that evening, and I blew them off. I said, that's rubbish. They said, well, you can't come in then. I said, well, I'm not going to frequent your place then. And uh, that really happened. And we had to go to six, seven places, and the kids were, like, biting you. I could see them in the back seat, like, oh, come on, Dad, please. You know, like, come on. You know, how long are we doing this? And I was very persistent. I was not playing that game. It wasn't a game to me. And I didn't like it. And I didn't like this being pushed on to people. And I wasn't going to play that charade. I'm like your wife, Peter. I'm the same as your wife is. I was going to say, my my wife would go into a restaurant and they'd say, you know, it's a ridiculous thing, Malcolm. Everybody remembers this. You you walk into the restaurant and you wear your mask, walk into your table. And then you sit down and you get your food. Yeah. And you take your mask off. Yeah. And and so we walked in and I, I would never forget. I walked into um, <laughs> a restaurant in Dallas and, you know, I had a mask on. And my wife said, I'm not wearing a mask. So, <laughs> so, so the person looked at us and they said, well, uh, you're wearing a mask, sir, but your wife is not. <laughs> so therefore, you have to sit at this table. Oh, and it was a table right down the end of the hall, the restaurant near the restroom. It was like right next to the I've restaurant. done it. I've been there, done it. I so get it. I so get and it. And so my wife is like, I don't want to sit there. I want this good table over there. Oh, but God. you can't sit at that good table unless you wear a mask. And it was, oh, you can't make this stuff up. Oh, my God. You know, and if I'm going into battle, I'm going into battle with people like your wife, for sure, man. I mean, come on. Life is too short otherwise, people, to put a mask on, to walk a few feet for dinner and sit at the table. No, thank you, man. I mean, where are we going as society that we can't be honorable with each other and honest? It's a charade. And so many people were doing it. Just like I said moments ago, followers and leaders. And every day I was out there with my wife, who doesn't like to rock the boat either, Peter. She's like you. Dee doesn't like to rock the boat a lot. She kind of looks at me like, you're not going there, are you? <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on. I am well, not doing ra- that. It raises the issue of, you know, are these just well-intentioned people who are who are trying to yeah. interpret public health recommendations and what's known and public policy and science? Or are they actually trying to punish other people? Mm. And, you know, the 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 table near the restroom, <clears throat> it, to me, that feels like punishment. If you see some of these oh, newsreels, uh, this one from, there's a um, Don't get documentary. Don't Yeah, there's a documentary from <laughs> Uninformed Consent. Yeah. And Uninformed Consent shows the brutal Canadian lockdowns and shows some Canadian police just grabbing some guy without a mask and just slamming him on a cement floor. And you start to realize, you know, that's not about public health. That guy's health did not improve when he sustained a concussion (laughs) on a cement floor. Uh, This is not about people's well-being. It's actually about punishment. It's about inflicting harm on other people. You're so right. You're so right. And it's because they didn't go along with the charade, Peter. You're so right. And I've been in that situation many times where they try to inflict the punishment. What I tend to do now that I'm a little older is, Peter, is I don't look for the fight anymore because I really don't. It's a nasty thing. And I, I just have a little more class than that. You know what I do? I remove myself from the environment. I don't engage in negative. Uh, I, I don't engage in negativity. I, I don't like negative stuff around me. I just don't do it, man. I don't care if you're family, friend, or foe. It doesn't matter. 
You're not going to bring that. And I told, you know, I told my daughter just yesterday, we had in college, Peter, we were having a conversation and I was telling her she was having some trouble with some roommates in college. You, you've heard this story before, right? <laughs> but I haven't, I haven't heard this story about your daughter, though. I no. know. Well, she was having some troubles with room, with uh, some roommates who were, were doing some things that were uncomfortable with her, bringing people in and having sex and drugs, things that she just doesn't partake in. She's there to study academically. She's very disciplined. She's been on the dean's list every Every quarter on the dean's list, and she's been. Oh, I mean, she's yeah. on the dean's list all the time. She takes it serious, man. She she's in it to learn to do well. She's straight A plus all the way through. I mean, I'm proud of her. And you know, and she she went through this thing with some of the kids in the room, and, and I, I said to her, you know, I said, honey, I said, you know, I said, you got to rise above. Don't let that negative energy into your mind. She was taking it personally. She was letting this get into her mind, and it was really unsettling her. And I said, honey, I said, you can't let this into your mind. You've got to refuse to allow negative energy into your soul. The way you do that is to push back. You just, you don't, you ignore it. Move away from it. Don't accept that into your mind. If you let that come into your mind, you're allowing those people to win. Then the evil wins. So push back on it by it. Don't let it to occupy space in your mind. Move away from it. Ignore it. It doesn't matter because you know what? Just a little bit down the road, you're not even going to remember that. It's not going to be important. Yeah. Just remember what's important at the moment. That's all you need to do and let the nonsense go. Yeah, you know, such a key point. You won't remember it. You, you know, what you just described it reminds me of the book by Dan Goleman called Emotional Intelligence. I'm mm. sure many of our mm. readers uh, yep. read it. And, and there is like an emotional intelligence. And what you're coaching around is emotional intelligence. So you know, here's an example, Malcolm. Have you ever just, you know, in your younger days, you know, lost your cool, got into a brutal argument with somebody. Yeah. And then that night you can't fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that so that's an example. That's a perfect yeah. example. I don't do it anymore, Peter. I don't do it. I don't do it. I know, it. but what I'm saying is yeah. when you I know. when you really uh don't don't have emotional intelligence and you yeah. lose it, you know, 100%. your 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 hind brain and your primitive brain take over and you have a massive surge of adrenaline yeah. and noradrenaline and dopamine. And the bottom line is, you know, you can not sleep for days mm -hmm. after a, a, a severe argument because the body's been so activated and it's so unhealthy. It's, it's, it's so unhealthy. that's it right there, unhealthy. Yeah, and, and you feel yep. terrible yeah. uh, for days. And, and so I completely agree with you. To have the emotional intelligence, yeah, know when to walk away. Uh, you know, Malcolm, here's another uh, working example. Have you ever had an argument with somebody? And then they say, after, you, after you're brutally arguing for an hour, they say, Malcolm, you know what? You're 100% right. I understand your position. I completely capitulate. It never happens. No. But you know, when people argue, they, they never win points. You never win somebody over to your side. There's never capitulation. People just dig in on their positions and yeah. things keep escalating. It's so true. So you're better off if you can visualize two uh, opponents' hands yep. meeting each other face on. Mm. The mm. best thing to do is just kind of give a little bit and let, let one blow glance by another. Mm. It's always better to yeah. do it that way. Uh, and that's a lot. That's a lot different than consultants. I don't know if you've ever had these 
these in your former job, you know, at the big networks, they always had these consultants come in and say, listen, you need to confront people. You need to have critical conversations. These consultants were always stirring up action. And after I remember going to all these retreats and afterwards, there'd be a bunch of corporate fights because we're, we were thinking we're supposed to have uh, we're supposed to have these critical conversations like, no, we're not. We're, we're supposed to get along. I, I mean, so this idea that, you know, you can have critical conversations and everybody's good about it. I've never found that to be the case. I think you do have to be restrained, be respectful. Absolutely. You know, show, show good leadership, lead by example. Yeah. Uh, you always get a lot more with uh, with sugar and honey than you do with uh, acid and vinegar, right? 100%. Life is too short. It's too short to get into all this nonsensical stuff. And, uh, and, you know, you learn these lessons as young people, really, or you hope to learn them as lessons by the time you get to the age of where Peter and I are where you realize that, number one, don't burn bridges behind you. Leave the bridges standing. So that means what that really means is you have class and style in the situation. So there's a, you know, you take the high road. And I always look at life that way. There's the high road and the low road. And when a situation happens in front of me, I'm telling you, people, I always step back and I remind, I swear to God to you, I remind myself a million times over, Malcolm, take the high road. I, it, it, I just, I'm, I'm very disciplined in that. Take the high road, take the high road. And I continue to tell myself that. And it's important to do that. Um, so I, there are these lessons in life we learn. And, you know, there are certain things you can't, um, you can't compromise on. And treating people, you, you know, I always believe that philosophy, Peter, treat people the way you want to be treated. Treat people with respect and dignity. It's not a, it's not a zero sum game here. It's just treat people with the dignity and, and the respect, whatever that, and just move forward. It, it's it, people, you know, we're all busy in the day. Everybody's busy. And oftentimes we, and I talk to people every day that sometimes we're overly busy and we forget and people forget easy and they forget in the moment and you just got to step back. And I, you know, I've done that with a few people recent times and I've actually come out the victor. And I've done it by just um, not engaging on that level and turn it around and disarming them with positive information and news and, you know, engaging them in a human way. I think it's important. I think it's important how we treat our fellow man. So uh, it's this- true. You know, relationships. Uh, yeah. Uh, I took a course uh, one time at, uh, at Southern Methodist University and um, it was part of like, like doing a, a graduate degree later in life. And it was in. Um, it was in liberal arts, and uh, we studied, you know, relationships, and 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 this was applying in this case to a, a man married to a woman, or or you know, you know, two person relationship. But when things start getting um, rough, the first thing you would see is there's four stages called the four horsemen. Uh, first is criticism, kind of verbally attacking each other or or their character. Um, uh, the next is. Um, the, the next is defensiveness. People, you know, starting to be defensive uh, in response to the criticism. Uh, and then you get to a point of of stonewalling. People just, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to deal with this. I'm just going to stonewall it. You know, don't answer. And then the last stage, and you know, it's over with. Psychologists will, will say a relationship is over with when you get to this last stage. And that's contempt. And c- contempt is when you're to the point where one really has antipathy. For another person. And so you never want to walk a relationship to the point of contempt. It, it, it's not worth it. And it can happen in an argument that's just 
extended it, extended. Well, it gets out of hand. It gets out of hand. It gets out of hand and people start using expletives. And and there are some things that people can say to to somebody else where you can't take it back. I mean, it does irreversible harm. Yeah. Right. Yep, absolutely. Hundred percent. You can't take it back. Yeah. And again, I, I just—it's not worth it. It's not worth it. it you know, every, I got to tell everybody listening here. You, you just got a really vivid. I mean, this was awesome. Just psychology one hundred and one, but really cool stuff uh, from people that have learned it uh, from Peter and Malcolm, who have learned it, and we're at a different point of our lives. You know, we are at a different point of our lives than we are now than we would have been 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Our priorities change. I love the experience of getting older. Uh, I just don't like the fact that we're getting older, Peter. But (laughs) if we could have that experience 30 years ago, it would be awesome. Uh, but it doesn't work that way, does it, buddy? (laughs) It doesn't work that way at all. Everyone listening to this, myself included, Massive numbers of mistakes, massive numbers of regrets. Amen. And all of our lives are a patchwork of yeah. of errors. And you know, you always people have always talked about. Well, so and so should run for president, or and then they say, well, there's too many skeletons in their closet. Right, right, right. You find me somebody who doesn't That's have right. a skeleton in their closet. That's right. Welcome That's right. everyone. It's called a human being. It's called a human being. Is what it is. And and we are we are at fault uh, for many different things. But there are some basic values we can hold true to our lives as we mature, as we get older, as people, and help thy fellow man out. And there's nothing more grateful that I'm grateful for in gratitude. Um, It's, you know, this platform in America Out Loud has been, uh, I've got to tell you, I I won't kid you, friends, I work hard, but it's the gift of a lifetime. And it's the gift that keeps giving. It's hard work. I mean, but what isn't in life? You know, if it's really worth it to you, isn't it hard work? I mean, it, it was produced by hard work, right? I mean, if it's really worth it. And it's like what Dr. Peter McCullough has gone through in his life in the past many years. But, you know, it's being disciplined and hard work and and these things get you to the other side of the hurdle, the hurdle, because life is ups and life. You got to remember this. I always say life is a four letter word and there are ups and downs throughout that. Life. There's nothing. It doesn't stay on one even keel, people. It changes as we go. All right. So let me tell you a couple of things here. Uh, first of all, we're going to get into some questions next year. Uh, this has been awesome, but we're in Q and A sixty eight here, and got some really good stuff. We'll jump into in a moment here. And by the way, last week you heard that nasal hygiene summit, the two hour uh, program that is on podcast. It's a phenomenal resource, and you can get that back at americaoutloud.com. Uh, so a couple of thoughts here. I want to share with you right now something that uh, we're not publicizing yet, probably for another uh, week or two, because we're not quite ready. But I'm really kind of excited about it. It's going to be uh, uh, kind of neat, really, really nice. We've got some new, um, some really awesome new products coming in and things. We, we just want to be able to put things out there to help people in their life. We've got some new shows coming up. That'll be very naturopathic driven, help people in their health, some really cool stuff. Uh, I'm telling you, in the next few weeks. Uh, but there's a new, um, you know, when we all, we always get into these curated sponsors we talk about. We now have them in one area. And here's what's cool just type in AmericaOutloud.shop. That's all you got to do now. So when we talk about these products, 
Just type in AmericaOutloud.shop. Now, I'm not ready to share that with the public, but I'm, t- <laughs> but I'm telling you all here because it's not done yet. And I never do this, oh, but I put oh, no. oh, oh yeah. no, you're not sharing something. You're yeah. not my tech share. people are not done with it, but I'm sharing it now. And uh, you know, I know I know still a couple of little typos, things that but they're still working on it. But anyways, it'll be done in the next few days and we'll stop releasing it about a week or two from now uh, to the public. And but it's one area now you can get all of our products we trust in, products we believe in, things that we think can help you. Um, that's the key. And the discounts are all built in there. Once you click it, you'll get the discount. It'll put you right where you need to be. So now we don't need to say slash, slash, slash. There's gone too many things to remember. But that's why we created this. AmericaOutloud.shop. That's it. It's a nice little look. It's very simple. And there's more coming there. So just, just know that address. You'll be hearing it all over the network in the weeks and months ahead. I promise you that. You're getting a teaser right now for it, americaroutloud.shop. So, all right. So just remember that there as well. And on that point, um, uh, we, I, we need to get to pause here a moment. Well, let's do that. Let's take a quick pause, friends, and we'll come back with Q&A 68 and get into some questions in just a moment here. You're listening to America Out Loud Pulse. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code out loud at cofixrx.com. One of the biggest advances in nutraceuticals and supplements is healthy cell. And the healthy cell line is extensive. I typically focus on the microgel technology, three major products here, Immune Super Boost, the Focus and Recall, and then the REM Sleep Supplement. Each one of these is complementary and they can uh, have a role, I think, in the health of your life each and every day. I know they do in my case. Many of you know, after COVID-19 twice, I spent almost the entire year in 2022 with an upper respiratory tract illness. Now, thankfully, I'm through the first two months of 2023, and I've been diligent with the Immune Super Boost in the morning, followed by focus and energy, and then in the evening time, the REM sleep supplement. The microgel technology works and boy, does it work fast. So go to our website, America Out Loud Talk Radio, find the banner bar for Healthy Cell, click on it, and that'll take you to the site to get a discount on your purchase of all Healthy Cell products. So let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. 
Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. It was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Okay, welcome back to America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud here along with Dr. Peter McCullough. This is Q&A 68 and a whole lot more here today. Got a whole lot more than you bargained for in psychology of life and experiences and, and things that tie into a lot of the things we've all experienced in the, in the last weeks and months. But listen, uh, we need your help to get the word out there. And that's the big thing. You know, there's a lot of stories. They tend to trend. You'll see a new trend in cloud on America Out Loud. But I'm going to ask you all, even more so in the future now, to share share the news, share the content, share the great stories. I mean, we just put an amazing piece up uh, many some days ago here with Dr. Jim Thorpe and Maggie Thorpe. That was amazing on the OBGYN and gets into the, the, the vaccination and pregnancy and things that surely Dr. Uh, McCullough and I have been speaking about for some time now with a lot of your questions and things coming in. And by the way, you can send your questions in by just going to the nav bar at America Out Loud, going to Pulse and send it to any of the show hosts on any day. Uh, just go right there. And they're all available to take the questions and stuff right there. So anyways, um, but help us share the content. Please, please share it. We work too hard not to share all of this great information and advice out there. OK, so it's real, real important to share it out there. All right. Let's get started here. And um, I want to get into a few questions here. Uh, this first one is from uh, Mabel. She says, I had COVID in September of 21 and had race and heart episodes since. Started after uh, budesonite and then a steroid pack. It really went crazy, up to 120, 124 an hour. I wore a heart monitor last February and again this February. I see Dr. Jim Meehan in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think you might know him. He got me through COVID, but doesn't really do heart. Also had a stress test and echo, all good. Uh, so he's wondering here, uh, they said it's not sleep apnea, no arrhythmia. Uh, the, um, just random speeds up sleep, laying down jumps to 113 or so per minute. Also had a sleep study to see if breathing issues. They said no sleep apnea. Uh, she's a healthy 66 year old woman. Any advice? This case is uh, very similar to my current show that I have this week. You know, it just came out on the podcast, McCullough Report. So if you go on the platform, go to McCullough Report right now, you'll see the show. And I interviewed the wonderful woman who is a patient and she actually had the exact same symptoms. And I, we went through the 
various tests and what to do and, and how to get to treatment. So I'd encourage you to have a listen there, read the write-up, and it'll just give you your approach. I can't give direct medical advice, but this is common. Uh, the virus does affect the balance between the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. There's a lot of people with racing uh, hearts, and uh, I'll lay out the rationale there for what I did uh, in cases like that, and, and you can listen to that. So I think that's a good answer. It's, it's a, it's a, this is a it's a it's a complex syndrome. It's bothered the patient. And she deserves a good answer. I listened to the McCullough report this week. There you go. There you go. I love it. All right. This one's from Marla. It says, Dear Malcolm and Dr. Peter McCullough, first of all, thank you for staying in the fight, as there unfortunately seems to be no end in sight. I was concerned that a vaccinated friend that routinely donates the platelets just received a letter from the American Red Cross that she can no longer donate to the platelets because they detected HLA antibodies in her blood during her last donation. And is this likely due to vaccination? I'm wondering, does it have indications for her own uh, health? And what effect will this have on platelet and plasma donations in general for the country if this is due to her vaccinations? It could be. That is actually a great question. Uh, having anti-HLA antibodies is a manifestation of autoimmunity. And because when people take the vaccine, they're constantly expressing a foreign protein on the surface, the body attacks its cells and can attack the nearby neighboring major histocompatibility complex, a MMHC complex of normal proteins on cell surface. So there's a paper by Nunes Castillo that I've highlighted uh, out on social media, and you can take a look at it. You search me and Nina Castillo from Florida Atlantic University, clearly showing autoimmunity happens. So the answer is yes, uh, I think it could be related if that donor did indeed take the vaccine. Okay, all right. Uh, this one's from Norman. I received the RNA vaccine, uh, the mRNA vaccine by Johnson & Johnson in 2020. I'm looking for information about getting the vaccine application reversed. I trust Dr. McCullough, and I would look forward to hearing from somebody in your office about scheduling an appointment to talk about how to ch change what these quacks did to me. I love that. Ever since receiving the vaccine, I've been sick consistently for three years. I constantly have colds and flus, and I used to have a superhuman immune system where I never got sick. But since 2020, I've been taking off more than six months worth of work. Wow. Due to this vaccine business, any information about a reversal of steps to take to boost my immunity, again, would be greatly appreciated. What do you say to Norman there? Okay, well, I'll take the easy one. For appointments, call 972-369-8220. That's 972-369-8220. in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, though a lot of my patients come from all over the country. Uh, you know, the leading uh, approach to trying to reduce the amount of spike protein in the body is probably what's making him feel sick is natokinase, natokinase. It's a Japanese uh, innovation. Um, a recent paper on my Substack claims that in Japan, natto, which is a, a fermented food product from uh, soy, soybean, has actually been used for over a thousand years. I thought that was very interesting. Wow. Uh, but in the last 20 years, it's available as a supplement, basically a capsule you can take. And multiple studies now show it does essentially completely dissolve the spike protein in a cell lysate and intact uh, cell uh, culture, um, you know, cell preparations. The other interesting thing is they, they, uh, Japanese have done experiments. If, it, if a lab and uh, test tube is pre-treated with nanokinase, the SARS-CoV-2 virus is...
completely um, rendered uh, neutered. It, it's essentially inactive. So th because the natokinase dissolves the spike protein, you can imagine the virus, which has all these porcupine spines on it. It literally just gets stripped of all its spines and it's just a, a bald nucleocapsid. It just bounces around. It can't do anything. The, the spines of the virus is what allows it to attack cells. So natokinase available in a supplement, one of the highest quality supplements we believe out there is by the wellness company. So look for spike support from the wellness company and uh, it's two capsules twice a day. The safety caveats are uh, can cause uh, bleeding or bruising, and those with a soy allergy can have allergies. Notice we discussed a supplement, and I gave both risks and theoretical benefits. Uh, 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 you, you don't see that with vaccines or other things that are, are being talked about by the, the false right. agenda. Right, right. Well, no, that doesn't surprise me at all because you never sell out the truth. Uh, you always give both sides of the of the uh, discussion, so I'm I'm not surprised. Um, this uh, the uh, I got another question for you on the nanokinase in just a second here, um, uh, friends. This is, seems to be uh, a product that is having real success uh, with the buildup of spike protein. This comes from multiple things. Uh, could be shedding if you even if you weren't vaccinated, but could be from vaccines, could be from COVID, could be from lot. There are multiple things that are creating this buildup of the spike protein in the human body. And the natokinase has had great success, as Dr. McCullough was just saying, out of Japan. It comes, uh, there's a, a a product that the wellness company has, and you use the code out loud, you will get, it's on that page I told you about earlier, americaoutloud.shop. You'll get 25% off if you use that, the spike support formula. And this seems to be having a lot of great success. We'll stay on the case for you. But uh, that's where you go, americaoutloud.shop, and you can get that uh, from the wellness company. And let me get this one of the questions in on the Neto, Neto uh, kinase, please, uh, from Vera. Is there a problem with taking the Neto kinase if your platelets are low, 125,000, she says? No, at 125,000, that's fine. There shouldn't be any risk of bleeding. Your platelet counts, just so you know, platelet counts have a wide range. They can range from 150 to 450. And we really don't run into bleeding problems until we get platelet counts in general lower than 40,000. Uh, we get to 20,000 bleedings common and get down to 2,000 platelets, which happens in some autoimmune condition. Then there can be spontaneous bleeding into the brain. So, uh, you know, we always follow the platelet count, but there are so many different drugs that influence it. Uh, the splenic sequestration, platelet physiology is complicated. So be lenient with your platelet count on your CBC. You're going to see a range 150 to 450. That's common. Okay, perfect, perfect. And uh, that's all the time we have here. We're right out of time, friends, here. And uh, got a whole lot in here. Uh, thanks for joining us here on America Out Loud Pulse. Always a beat ahead.